0: Hello everyone and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where we talk about strange things that happened in history. I'm Amelia Edwards and with me is my co-host, Barnaby King. Hello. And today I thought, let's talk about another interesting eccentric character from history. Nice,
1: those always go well.
0: Yeah, I think they're fun to talk about. Like, they don't necessarily have any impact on history itself, but, you
1: know, well, that's cool people. that's why we're here to talk about it because it's not they're not like super famous. They just did something a bit weird, like you know, making tunnels in their ground <laughs> or, or um, uh, pretending to be dead or a butcher or yeah. Anyway, yeah,
0: yes. exactly. So today I wanted to talk about a reasonably common person. Actually, I want to talk about a man called Daniel Lambert. Uh, Daniel okay. Lambert was not a lord, as our eccentric people often are. Oh, okay. Um, he was just a guy.
1: Ah, right. So he was mad rather than eccentric.
0: Um, <laughs> in his case, he wasn't mad, nor was he eccentric. Ah. But he did become famous because of his unusual size.
1: Okay. Was he a tiny, tiny man?
0: The no opposite.
1: bigger than your thumb. Oh, the, the opposite. opposite. Oh, okay. <laughs> In
0: 1805, Daniel Lambert was the heaviest recorded person ever. Wow. He became really famous because he was so obese.
1: Wow, okay. I mean, do we know what his record stands up to today? Because, you know... People getting obese
0: it doesn't stand up to uh, today's records right. um and actually his records sort like got overtaken within the next half a century that's a shame um but oh no not really well
1: okay i mean it's a shame for him <laughs> yeah
0: well <laughs> i guess the thing was like he's an interesting man though so i found out about him because he was well known for being so big yeah um but actually it turns out like he had this like really rich in a life, he was a really smart man, oh, and nice. he did some quite interesting things. He just happened to also be really obese <laughs> and make money off it.
1: There's more to me than just my body mass index.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and also, I think that he's kind of interesting because um in the 1700s and 1800s, obesity was not a problem yeah. for society. And it would have been actually kind of difficult to get that big. Like, there are loads of characters in Jane Austen who Hmm. complain that they are too thin because sort of a certain amount of roundness was something that was uh, seen as attractive.
1: Yeah, didn't you say this guy, he's not like noble-born, as it were. He's not in the upper classes. No.
0: Okay. So we'll talk about his issues with his weight a little Hmm. bit later on. Um, But yeah, at the time, it's actually kind of extraordinary that anyone manages to become a beast because although they did have things like cakes and things like that and and they did have like red meat it wasn't like today's very easy access to high calorie foods no
1: you only really got access to cake when you were entertaining the vicar exactly yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) they get it out from the vaults
1: (laughs) Maybe that's the thing. Maybe he was just, like, entertaining a lot of vicars so he had a lot of cake.
0: He did entertain a lot of people, Ah, as we shall see. There we go.
1: It's vicars. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. For anyone who doesn't know, this is basically, like, a trope of things like Jane Austen and that sort of era where it's like, you know, you have your upper class people who entertain the vicar outside with tea and cake. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Uh, I mean... Yeah, you've got to have a lot of tea parties if yeah. you're a Regency era
1: lady. I mean, what else is there to do? Really? Nothing, literally
0: <laughs> nothing, except a lot of embroidery and keeping your estate.
1: Yeah, it's that. It's that joke in uh, Futurama when everything turns English, and they're like, "I know we're ladies in waiting, but what are we waiting for?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so I had assumed that Daniel Lambert was a sort of sideshow person. Yeah, um, but. There was a lot to him, so I think he's worth talking about. Hmm. So, he was born in 1770 in Leicester. Okay. And his father, also Daniel Lambert.
1: Ah.
0: Are we getting a theme here? Yeah, we're
1: back into that sort of tradition.
0: Um, His father, Daniel Lambert, had been the huntsman for the Earl of Stamford. Okay. But later he became Leicester's bridewell jail keeper. Right. So, a bridewell is kind of a bit interesting. It's like almost getting towards workhouses at this point, right? Um, but not quite. So usually if there was somebody who was like an itinerant beggar mm. or um, like often women got taken there if they were seen to be like acting as sex workers or things right. like that. Um, and sometimes they'd be held there until their trial. Sometimes they were trying to sort of rehabilitate them right. as well.
1: Okay, so it's kind of a little bit of a place to just put them while they worked out what to do with them. Yeah. Rather than just like put them there and let them rot.
0: As yeah, it were. it's it's not really a prison. Yeah. Um, like they're expected to do stuff. Okay. Um, and they're expected to sort of get better from their moral failings.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure.
0: Mm. Um, and Lambert actually follows in his father's footsteps. So, um, to start off with. As his father was a huntsman and his uncle was a gameskeeper, Mm -hmm. he was really into all of his animal-based sports, Okay. so he was particularly fond of fishing, Mm -hmm. shooting, Mm -hmm. horse racing, and otter hunting.
1: Otter hunting? Otter hunting. Oh, no. Because apparently
0: in those days there were enough otter that you could do that.
1: Oh, no. There there was a really sad story, actually, uh, in in local news here, Norwich-based that apparently people have been setting up illegal crayfish traps in the river, and one of them oh, got no. an otter that was like well-known in the area, oh, apparently. No. So I'll just say this now, I am not down for otter hunting.
0: No, I'm definitely not down for otter hunting. They're so cute.
1: They are adorable. Yes. Um, I just want to hold them. <laughs> All of them. How many otters can we adopt?
0: Like the five that live in Norfolk, I guess.
1: Nice. Nice. <laughs> They'll be friends with Lombardi, our rabbit.
0: <laughs> They'll try and eat the him.
1: <laughs> they won't eat him. He'll probably try and eat them. That's true. So Lambert
0: was a considered an expert in breeding hunting dogs as well. From mm. his late teens, people used to go and ask his advice on how to breed hunting dogs well. So something we can gather from this, he was a really active guy. Yeah. He also taught people how to swim.
1: Oh, wow. Um,
0: He was, like, the local swimming instructor, almost. Um, He really liked... He was an outdoorsman. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, this is not the sort of person you expect is going to go down in history as, like, one of the fattest men.
0: Nope, nope. (laughs) He was, like... He was super active. He really liked being outside. Mm -hmm. At the age of 18, though, he went to work with his father at the jail. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Apparently, he was just a brilliant jailkeeper. So although he did have to like dispense, um, yeah. you know, punishments and stuff like that, he, really res- he was really respected by the inmates and he helped them as much as he could whenever they went to trial, like helped them out and tried to get them free. <laughs> okay.
1: I was initially going to say when it was just like he was respected by the inmates, I was kind of like who's saying this are the inmates saying this or is it being said of the inmates that you know they love his jailer there's not a problem with him whatsoever he doesn't like set them loose and sends dogs after them
0: no he's not a cruel person he's like really helpful to them
1: um
0: which is kind of what you'd want from a bridewell jailkeeper, let's yeah. be honest. Yeah,
1: you don't you don't want to say just in charge of people who are just like down on their luck.
0: Yeah, like these are vulnerable people and apparently he's doing the best he can, which yeah. you
1: know
0: no, like he's alright. Yeah. He's okay. Yeah. He's going a bit
1: above and beyond.
0: Yeah. However, the problem with him working in the jail is that this is when he starts to gain weight.
1: Ah, uh, is it a sedentary job?
0: It's a sedentary job. Ah. Uh. Um, By the time he was 23, he Mm. weighed 32 stone.
1: Jesus! I know. 32 stone? Yeah. That's more than double me. Yeah. Jesus, okay. Now, he claims
0: that he ate as much as an ordinary person. Really? Yes.
1: Okay. Are we suspecting, like, a glandular problem?
0: The thing is that a lot of doctors examined him and a lot of people have talked about him afterwards, you know, as a sort of curiosity of medicine. And he's exhibited no other symptoms of having any kind of glandular issue. Like, the doctors said there was nothing wrong with him. And, like, they did loads and loads of, like, examinations Mm. of him later on when he became famous. People think he was basically not calorie counting properly. Like... (laughs) like he says he was eating a normal amount but yeah. if apparently <laughs> if you're was- a jailkeeper then you're actually in a reasonably high standing in society yeah. so he had access to like rich foods and people would have eaten rich foods at the time so yeah. maybe he- he's just one of those people who like you know when teenagers are really active and they yeah. they can eat loads and loads and loads and loads and loads, and then he stops having this massively active lifestyle, yeah. and it just piles on.
1: So maybe he was like, oh, I'm eating, you know, a perfectly normal diet, and then people point out, you're eating a perfectly normal diet for a Kodiak bear.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we think he was probably just eating too much, but he wasn't aware that he was
1: <laughs> I mean fair enough I don't know when the concept of calories was still like discovered or theorised yeah um, but I can imagine that yeah if you have access to a lot of food and you don't really like know about nutrition mm. and you've led an active lifestyle as you say so you're probably used to eating quite a lot and yeah. then suddenly you're not yeah Right. I can totally see how he could be, oh, I've always eaten this amount. Why am I gaining weight? Because he's sitting on a chair.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I I think that's what's happening with him, to be honest. Um, Like he's he's an interesting person, though. He does still keep up all of his outdoor activities. It's just that now he's not doing them 24-7, I guess.
1: Okay, fair enough. Um, Oh, poor man.
0: Yeah, and he was worried about his health. Oh. So he took up weightlifting. Oh, damn. um, And eventually he was able to lift 560 pounds. Jesus. And carry it.
1: Wow, okay. I mean, that's not going to help him lose weight. If anything, that's going to make him increase his weight.
0: Well, yes. I mean, probably part of this is muscle, Yeah. let's be honest. And he also kept up with his swimming. Um, Apparently, at this point, he could float with two men on his back.
1: Okay, you know what I'm picturing right now? Yeah. I'm picturing, the, uh, this is a reference that maybe some of our audience will get, but it's the Terry Pratchett book, Monstrous Regiment. There's a character in it called Sergeant Jackram, mm-hmm. who is described as this like enormously fat man. Yeah. But he's also just like incredibly active and strong.
0: It would actually make a lot of sense if Sergeant Jackram was slightly based off this guy. Okay. Um, because he was, at some points, used as a reference for John Bull and like uh, like the John Bull? John Bull in the 1800s was kind of like a representation of Britain. Ah. So there are images of him as a soldier.
1: Right. Like I on see. horseback,
0: which actually would look does look very sergeant jack from, yeah. to be honest. I've not
1: heard of John Bull before. Oh,
0: okay. Hey, when did
1: that come about?
0: So John Bull was kind of a thing I guess from the 1700s up until maybe like the early 1940s. Yeah. And um, he's this kind of like gruff Middle England figure. Okay. And he represents England as a whole. And he gets used a lot in like punch type magazines. Oh, I see. So to represent Britain.
1: See, I- I've only ever thought of like Britannia being referenced in those ah. sorts of things.
0: No, you also get John Bull if it's like it's about the people.
1: Right. Okay. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Why, why do you think we sort of stopped using John Bull? I or like guess he kind of slipped out of public consciousness.
0: I guess we kind of started having a lot more negative stereotypes about this like particular character because he is like John Bull tends to be overweight. Mm. Um, he's quite ruddy faced. He's right. sort of meant to be like, I guess, a Middle England publican type figure. Right. And so then now we've started maybe to see that figure more as like um, a bit overly conservative or. Um, like a gammon.
1: Mm, I was actually thinking a bit the other way. Maybe, maybe he was a bit too much. He was a bit too much like the proletariat, and we can't have that representing oh, Britain.
0: Oh no, he's not the proletariat. Right. He's um. He's a gammon. He's a gammon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough.
0: Uh, I think that's probably
1: why. Yeah. Well, I I expect him to make a full comeback in the next few years if Nigel Farage gets his way.
0: Maybe we need to write to the cartoon makers, be like, guys, bring back John Bull. I mean, we've got to have an equivalent to Uncle Sam. I I suppose. And our equivalent is like a drunk. I mean,
1: the thing is, I really like Sergeant Jackram as a character in Monstrous Regiment. I I don't want like that sort of character being used for, you know... Horrible xenophobic ideas. Mm. Mm. Well, anyway. Well,
0: we'll come back to John Bull another time, and I'll tell you all more
1: about him. Yeah, I, I genuinely knew nothing about that.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so, at this point, he's super strong, right? Yep. 560 pounds more than his own weight. Yeah. Um, uh, however, he obviously did not keep increasing his own weights. Yeah. Um, but it did help him win a fight with a bear. What? Yes.
1: Oh my God! Yes.
0: Okay. Is it Wojtek?
1: Did it, Wojtek go back in time?
0: It was not Wojtek. <laughs> it was an asshole bear. Oh, no. Well, actually, it wasn't an asshole bear. How dare
1: you? No bears are assholes. It was
0: a bear who had an asshole master.
1: Oh, okay. In that case, right. Yeah, yeah, sure. Bear, eat the master.
0: Yes, it should have done. Yeah. So, at one point, he was watching a dancing bear in the street oh. outside his um, family home. Yeah. And, yeah, this was the point where that was a thing. Yeah. And it's super awful. Poor bears. And one of his, like, he, he was walking one of his dogs at the time. His dog got loose mm. and bit the bear. Oh. I know. So, obviously, the bear attacks this dog. Yeah. And Lambert asks the bear keeper to restrain the bear. Yeah. So that he could save his dog. The bear keeper, who's a total dick. Yeah. Takes the bear's muzzle off.
1: What? Why? Because he's a total oh dick. Oh, my God. And poor dog
0: I know so in order to stop bear. the bear eating his dog uh, Lambert punched it in the face and saved the dog
1: I mean that is a hell of a move right there <laughs> I know like as much as I don't condone you know violence against animals or that like, no like that, that is cool I mean this bear probably looks at, looked at him and was like that bear looks weird <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean yeah at this point he probably does look a bit like a shaved bear he's yeah. like what is going on <laughs>
1: How come that bear gets to be free?
0: (laughs) So, yeah, I'm sorry there's like a lot of issues with animals in this society, but um, it is one of those things that he kind of like. Yeah, this caused a little bit of a fame thing for him. Yeah,
1: I can totally see that being, you know, an attraction sort of thing. It's like, this is the man who's strong enough to outpunch a bear. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I I have to say, um, Daniel Lambert is kind of goals like. I know isn't he? <laughs> like
0: if you have got to be 35 stone 32 stone sorry yeah uh, then you might as well get super ripped yeah. which apparently he was <laughs> um, you might as well like save all your dogs because you're still an amazing dog breeder yeah
1: yeah I was kind of you know fat but really happy oh yes <laughs> oh dear not to say you can't be fat and happy I realise how that no, sounds just like then, Daniel you know. Lambert
0: is very much a health at every size person yes. in like the best possible way except he probably should have done more calorie counting
1: I mean probably but he seems to have made a good thing out of it
0: yeah <laughs> so by the time he was 31 yeah. in 1801 I like him because he start, he got born on a 70, so it m- means it's really uh, easy for nice, me to work at yeah, his age. Yeah. By the time he was 31, he weighed about 40 stone.
1: Whoa. <laughs> about 30 of it is just muscle. He's just yeah. like an incredible <laughs> Hulk.
0: But he had to give up hunting. Hulk
1: breed dogs. Oh no, he gave up
0: hunting. He had to give up hunting because he and his horse could not keep up. Oh
1: no. That oh, poor, that poor horse. horse. Oh my God, I hadn't even thought of that. Oh, no! They would have to breed like some sort of super horse. yeah, or like get four of them and just sort of glue them together.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, he had to give up like hunting on horseback, which was like the way one does it. <laughs> so
1: he just took to hunting on foot.
0: Yeah, well, he still did he still did some things. He still kept up as a dog breeder, mm. and I believe he still did his fishing and things like that. yeah, and his swimming. He kept up swimming.
1: Um, he, okay, you know what he's starting to sound like. He's starting to sound like a Newfoundland Mastiff.
0: Oh my gosh, Yeah, One of those
1: enormous dogs that love swimming and are also very dribbly. (laughs) He could breed them and just sort of like pick them up in one hand.
0: Oh. (laughs) I mean, he could. He really could pick up a Newfoundland Mastiff. (laughs) So, um, yeah, he had to give up hunting, which is quite sad for him because it was something he loved doing. Um, And he did also lose his job around this time.
1: What? What, As as the jailer? As the jailer. Oh no, why? Well,
0: it wasn't his fault. Okay. It was because the jail system was changing at this time. um, Because they were starting to think, you know... We've got all these lazy poor people around uh, here. We need to start getting them to work and we need to make it really hard for the, for poor people to get any kind of help
1: yeah.
0: unless they go into hideous facilities because you know we're heading into the victorian era yeah
1: of course we have to say that's nothing like our current era where you know the poor are treated well and everyone is you know has access to the things they need to survive and are never called lazy or work shy or anything like that
0: oh this is too close to home the whole the whole um free school meals thing like really really depressed me like for a very long time
1: i mean there's much to be depressed about with this government, but.
0: That's true. I think this one struck close to home because, you know, I am a well, teacher yes. of kids yeah, who no, have absolutely. free school meals. And, like, I know that if they come to school hungry mm-hmm. or if they've had a hungry... Christmas time, they are not going to be inspired to work or oh, learn but, anything. But I bet
1: their parents have iPhones or Sky or anything like that. Oh, God, I hate... Sorry, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm now getting worked up. Yeah. I've got to go back to, like, okay. nice, peaceful, very strong, fat man breeding dogs. Yeah, okay. Ah, So, dreams.
0: this is one of those things where... Sometimes things get better throughout history. Sometimes they get worse and sometimes they go up and down in a little wave. And this is one of those waves Mm. was like they were starting to really introduce, like they hadn't got to the poor laws yet. That was, I think, in 1840, 1830. Mm. Um, But they were starting to amp up this idea so
1: i think this is also around the time when uh mental institutions basically were like zoos yeah like this is when they started like charging people to go in and basically throw peanuts at the at the mad people uh before things actually got like at some point i might do an episode about the insane asylums of the victorian era because some of them were like much better than you might think oh yeah but yeah early on they were absolutely dreadful so i can see all these sort of things coming together at the same time to yeah. kind of be like huh f- the poor am i right
0: exactly yeah and um, this is what they were doing so they replaced the bridewell in leicester with a house of correction for oh, women Oh Um. Because he had been made redundant rather than fired, yeah. uh, he was given an annu- an annuity, mm. which was fifty pounds, um, which is worth four thousand one hundred pounds today. Right. So, okay. Not enough to live off. No. But he has a little bit of income coming yeah. in. Yeah. So, at around this point, his size had started to become famous, mm. and he was starting to get quite shy about it oh, because poor man. Daniel Lambert is like. I mean, I know that he's a hunter and we're not really happy with that. I mean, yeah, but, but
1: this is different, different. It is different times. Yeah. He,
0: just, he does seem to have been quite a nice guy. Yeah. Like in general, um, like looking at his treatment of the poor and his protection of his animals and mm. that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, he starts to get a bit shy about his size. He starts to get a bit embarrassed about it.
1: Um,
0: so people start coming to see him because they want to have a look at him because he's so big um and at this time there wasn't a sort of shaming idea about it like they didn't associate obesity with laziness or anything like that because like partly because um it was so rare it was just kind of like something that's kind of fascinating
1: okay so so less of like a like a freak show and more just like you know an exhibit
0: yeah like they just think that's really interesting like this man is so big i've got to see this yeah um So the people who came to see him pretended that they weren't just coming to see him for his size. They pretended that they were coming to see him for animal breeding advice.
1: Ah, okay. Clever.
0: So (laughs) apparently at some point, somebody came to him for advice on cock breeding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I bet that was a long and hard discussion.
0: Um, he told his servant to tell this man that he was a shy cock. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> okay wow
0: yeah okay so we start to find out also as well as being shy lambert has got some like really good comebacks and yeah we're gonna talk about these later on
1: yeah he seems like a witty person <laughs> he
0: is um and the thing is okay so despite his shyness he really really needed to earn money because yeah. 4100 yeah equivalent is not enough no um so he didn't see any alternative to put himself on display mm. um on the 4th of April, 1806, he boarded a specially built carriage. Nice. Because he's at that yeah, point yeah, now. Yeah. And he travelled from Leicester to his new home in Piccadilly, which was in London. Okay. Like It was like the right western edge of London yeah. at that point. For five hours each day, he would welcome visitors into his home and charge them each a shilling.
1: Oh, nice. That's yeah. reasonable.
0: Yeah, so at first I was a bit worried about the idea of putting him out, him on display. I thought it sounds like a bit of a slideshow thing, yeah. a bit of a um, P.T. – is it P.T. Burnham? Or...
1: Uh, P.T. Barnum.
0: P.T. Barnum yeah. type sort of thing. But no, this is before P.T. Barnum. Hmm. This is when people were kind of like individuals just saying, okay, people are going to want to see me because yeah. of this particular thing that's strange about me.
1: It's kind of like... While it seems like he didn't have many alternatives, this he still had some agency over this. He was like, I know people want to do this. Yeah. I want to make money. Yeah. I'm going to do it. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. So it actually became quite fashionable to go and visit him. Okay. Um, because he would talk with everybody about hunting and breeding animals, and um, which people were really interested in. Yeah. And apparently according to people who went his rooms were seen more like a sort of fashionable salon than like a sideshow so effectively you went there because you'd meet some in- other interesting people you'd sort of sit around and chat and have like coffee i guess at that point yeah um and it was sort of it was a fashionable thing to do rather than like a gawking thing to do hmm. um and about 400 people a day used to go and Whoa. see him.
1: I know. Whoa, for a shy man, that has got to be overwhelming.
0: I think it's quite a lot. But the thing was, he got some fans, mm. like some super fans. So apparently there was one doctor who went to see him on 40 different occasions <laughs> and paid his shilling every single time, <laughs> but was just like, I really like this guy. I want to go see him some Oh
1: more. my God. It's, it's... Yeah, you, I'm, I'm trying to think of a sort of modern day equivalent of it. I guess it's like you get people who will constantly like try and find where a particular person is like doing a signing or yeah. like making an appearance and just always turning up. Except this way, you know exactly where he's going to be all the time. Yeah. And you can just go along and pay a shilling and have a chat. And it seems like, you know, he seems like a good person to talk to. Yeah,
0: he's just, he's become kind of a personality yeah. rather than like being seen as a freak he's he's someone that's just a bit of a celebrity
1: (laughs) come for the enormous fatness stay for the witty repartee (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. and also he insisted on maintaining an atmosphere of civility in his in his rooms all men entering his rooms were obliged to remove their hats nice excellent so apparently a visitor refused to remove his hat even if the king were present um but lambert replied then by God, sir, you must instantly quit this room, as I do not consider it a mark of respect due to myself, but to the ladies and gentlemen who honour me with their company.
1: Oh, yes. I love
0: him so much yes, at this point. Queen. Yes, Daniel
1: Lambert. <laughs> all that it would have been taken to make that, like, even better would be if he, like, boxed his ears or something.
0: Mm-hmm. And you really don't want him to box your ears, because this is a man who can knock out a bear. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, he is He's quite the physical specimen.
0: He is. So it's lucky he was just very polite to everybody, yeah. even though he used by God, which at the time was censored. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, you oh, can't... amazing. You can't blaspheme. Yeah. So when it was reported, it's just by G and then like dashes. Yeah um so yeah he became really popular though so people used to travel a really long way to see him apparently mm. at one point 14 people traveled to see him from guernsey
1: which Whoa. must have been a hell of a trip
0: back then. yeah um and they would spend hours speaking with him once they'd paid their shilling about and about animal breeding i mean
1: if you've traveled from guernsey to do this you might as well get your money's worth
0: yeah um also they made a waxwork of him
1: Really? Life size. Oh, brilliant.
0: It was displayed in London. It became really popular. Does and it still exists. It doesn't because ah. it. It existed for quite a while, yeah, um, and it travelled around. I think the world more or less. Like it okay. travelled around a lot, um, and sometimes was shown with his actual clothes on it as yeah. well. Um, but at one point, it was in a warehouse that caught on fire and it oh, melted. Oh
1: no! Are, are there any like existing photographs of it?
0: Uh no. Oh, I'm
1: this, afraid is, not. this is early. I day, think it's it? earlier. Yeah,
0: damn it. I know. Because
1: it would be great if someone could have made a replica of it. Mm-hmm.
0: And he also was popular with cartoonists, as I've said.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: And at one point, he met George III, yeah. and the upper classes, like, saw him as fascinating as well. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see if I can find you a picture of him being John Bull.
1: Cool.
0: Okay, so here's a picture of him being John Bull. Oh, wow. I believe he may be attacking the French.
1: Quite, po- a very small Frenchman.
0: <laughs> yeah, because, you know, the French are always depicted as small, and he is he massive. He
1: is huge.
0: And on a massive great horse. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you've got to imagine that horse has got to be specially bred, um, <laughs> or probably like if he modelled for it, then he would have sat on a model. <laughs> yeah,
0: I I don't think he's actually sitting on this horse. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, like cartoonists really liked using him as an example of John Bull. Yeah, um, I think. Because he's so big, if you want to make fun of the French as being really small, then he's kind of like the perfect guy to offset that, isn't he? Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know what? He's starting to remind me, I can't remember the name of like the comic strip, but there was this thing and I looked it up not too long ago. I think it was American. I'm not entirely certain, but anyway, it's like... The cartoon strip depicts the life of this very large man mm-hmm. who goes around essentially beating up people who are rude.
0: Oh yeah, I remember you telling me about this. Yeah, I can't.
1: I can't remember the name of it. If if any listener can remember, then uh, at us on Twitter <laughs> uh, at that time when four. good plug. Thank you, uh, but I do actually want to remember that because I can't remember what it was called. I remember looking through them and they're quite funny. Uh, anyway, yes. Yeah.
0: So he also had quite a famous visitor as well, like um, not as famous as George the Third, but mm-hmm. in a different way. This was a famed meeting, okay? Because after he would spent some months in London, he was visited by Josef Brovlaszky, who was a three foot three inch dwarf.
1: Ah, okay. So and we get the great size comparison. We get the
0: great size comparison. Uh, Borovlowski, by this time, was in his 70s. Oh, wow. And he was con- he's generally considered to be the last of Europe's court dwarfs. Oh, okay. So um, when, like, back in medieval times and during the Tudor era, mm. it used to be quite fashionable to have a dwarf um, yeah. usually performing a role of a jester or a fool. Yeah. Um, And he was the dwarf for... Empress Maria Theresa in 1754, mm. and um, also lived with a deposed Polish king um, Stanislav, whose name last name. I'm sorry, I can't say yeah, it. Fair there's, there's a lot of Zs in it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so thinking about like this meeting, was Daniel Lambert a particularly tall man?
0: He was five foot eleven, so oh, okay. he wasn't so super you, tall. You no, know,
1: like. Average height, maybe a bit tall for the era. Yeah,
0: I think slightly above average height for the era. Yeah. And so Borovlaski um was is kind of an interesting guy, though, because he had retired to Durham. Don't ask me why. Yeah. Um, and he had become a prominent figure that people paid to go and see and talk to. Hmm. And he also had an amazing memory because at one point when when Lambert had been a teenager before he started as a jailer, yeah, and um, he had uh, worked in a uh, mold casting in a die casting works mm-hmm. in Birmingham, um, and at that point he'd gone to go and see Barovlasky, ah, and he remembered it, ah. um, and Barovlasky said, "I have seen this face twenty years before at Birmingham, but certainly it'd be another body."
1: <laughs> That's good.
0: Um, and he' had been told that this was a ho- a hoax that yeah. Lambert wasn't really this big, oh right, okay, which is an interesting, yeah, look on it that I've not yeah. really thought
1: about. I have just a quick question, yeah, uh what was it Brevlassky, yeah, uh, so he said he went to he was in Durham, yes, do we know how good his eyesight was?
0: No. Because
1: I hear there's a local beauty spot there called Barnard Castle, which is excellent for checking your eyesight.
0: That is true. But I think that at the time, it would have been quite a long, it would have been a long journey to Durham, sorry, to Barnard Castle from Durham Mm. to be able to check your eyesight.
1: Well, I think it's a pretty long journey anyway, even today. And you know someone someone's really if they were traveling from say london or durham like they're really setting out with a purpose to go to barnard castle
0: that is true yeah yeah he must have gone to see barnard castle at some
1: point yeah absolutely just to test his eyesight of, of
0: course. course so um
1: sorry i've been, i've been saving that
0: that's one. all right. <laughs> <laughs> so so Borovlowski wanted to find out whether this was true, and he felt Lambert's leg to prove to himself that it was not. And they <laughs> <He> were. essentially <laughs>
1: massaged his knees.
0: <laughs> and the two men compared their outfits. Oh. They calculated that one of Lambert's sleeves would provide enough cloth to make an entire coat <laughs> for <laughs> Borowlaski.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, so I kind of like Borowlaski because he's also. Um, like Lambert, a bit of a witty guy. Yeah. Um, Lambert asked how his wife was. Yeah. And he said, no, she is dead. And I'm not very sorry, for when I affront her, she puts me on the mantel shelf for punishment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my God, these two people are amazing. They're great, and I love them both. And like, this is one of those things where you kind of feel like their their unique sort of physical characteristics is just there to heighten the their, like, mental acuity and, yeah. and like, it, it, it draws you in. But what makes you stay is the fact that they're just kind of awesome.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> um, the meeting of Lambert and Boroflavsky, uh, the largest and smallest men in the country, mm-hmm. was the subject of enormous public interest. Yeah. So a newspaper reported it was Sir John Falstaff and Tom Thumb, which
1: must have afforded <laughs> a double
0: treat to the curious.
1: <laughs> oh, that's lovely. I
0: know. <laughs> However... As I said before, Lambert was quite shy. Yeah. Um, and after a while he got fed up because some people were still a bit rude to him. Aww. Um basically they kept asking about his clothes and yeah. the size of his clothes. Like yeah. this was a real fascination for them, and he just kind of got really fed up with it. Yeah. Apparently, a woman asked him how much his coat cost to make. Right. And he said, I cannot pretend to charge my memory with the price, but I can put you into a method of obtaining the information you want. If you think proper to make me a present of a new coat, you will then know exactly what it costs.
1: (laughs) Oh, yes. Um, (laughs) Yes, Daniel Lambert.
0: Yeah. And another spectator was even ruder about it. He said that because his entrance fee was paying for Lambert's clothing, he had the right to know about it. And Lambert said to him, Sir, if I knew what part of my next coat your shilling would pay for, I can assure you I would cut
1: out the piece. (laughs) Ah, nice.
0: I know, right? Oh, this guy is awesome. He is so good at basically being like, F*** off, I hate you. (laughs) So, as I've said before, he was really smart. Yeah. And he wasn't just smart as in he was witty, Hmm. um, but he also ignored agents who wanted to manage him. Oh, nice. So, all the money he made was his. That's cool. And by 1806, he returned to Leicester, um, like a very wealthy man from the money that he had raised. Yeah. And he went back to breeding animals. Um, And occasionally he did some fundraising tours, again, on his own account. Yeah. So he went to a bunch of different places. And he usually, which, you know, is just such a it's such a mark of the man I think he usually tried to combine this with going to see a particular race or sell a particular animal in a different
1: part of the country nice and he'd
0: also be like yeah okay I'll set up an apartment here yeah. people can come visit me why
1: not <laughs> so he's still got his hand in the game as it were
0: yeah so it's like he um he did a tour of East Anglia at one point nice um,
1: Ooh, Norwich represent
0: <laughs> I don't think he came as far <laughs> no, north as Norwich not. um but he did it so it would coincide with I think the Stamford races or right. something like that. Yeah. He he just he was interested in horse racing. <laughs> and people used to do one of those like nice little commentaries um, as well. Whenever he went to see the horse races in Leicester, hmm. people would um, write in the newspapers about the horse races, and then they'd say things like, And our old friend Daniel Lambert was also there.
1: Yay.
0: <laughs> so Eventually, he died. He died quite young. I'm um, not
1: surprised by that, to be fair. Yeah,
0: I think his weight caused him yeah. a lot of difficulties. So he died when he was 39 years old. Yeah,
1: that makes sense.
0: Um, while he was on a tour. Yeah. And sadly, there was no question of his body being returned to Leicester. Mm. Um, so they made a special coffin for him, mm-hmm. which was six foot four inches long, four feet four inches wide, and two feet Four inches deep
1: Jesus. to accommodate him. That's a hell of a coffin.
0: And they built it on wheels. Uh, I mean, you would. Yeah, um, the coffin was so large that to wheel it out of the inn that he had been staying in. Yeah. Um, the window and wall of the apartment he had been staying in had to be demolished.
1: I mean, you hear stories like this. It's like it, it was. They were quite sort of sensational a number of years ago, and like they yeah. still crop up in popular culture. Of people who, you know, were massively overweight and had to die at home and had to die at (laughs) home.
0: Had to die at home.
1: (laughs) Were massively overweight and died at home. So the fire service has to, like, take down a wall in order to, like, get them out.
0: I think he's one of the early examples of this.
1: Um,
0: They tried to make sure that it had a sloping approach to the grave so that they didn't have to lower his coffin. But it took... 20 men almost half an hour to pull his coffin into the grave which is both sad and kind of funny i
1: know i don't want to laugh about it i know sad but oh oh no i also when you said it was like sloping (laughs) i thought it would just like yes i was like oh such an undignified way to go but yeah i mean so what i will say about this you say he was 39 yeah He seems to have lived quite a life before dying so young. Like
0: I think he got started pretty early. Yeah. Like, he knew what he wanted to do in life, and he wanted to do hunting and breeding animals. Yeah. And by all accounts, he was really good at it. At one point, he was offered, like, the equivalent of £8,000 for one of his hunting dogs. Damn. And he was like, no, I'm keeping this one.
1: Oh, wow. I mean, it, we were saying what? Like, he was getting, what, 400 visitors a day? Yeah. That's 400 shillings. Yeah. And what it's 20 shillings to a pound.
0: Uh, a shilling is like the equivalent to about uh, £4.50 today.
1: Okay, yeah. But I mean, in in those yeah. days, money, as it were, yeah. <laughs> it's 20 shillings to a pound. Yeah. So that is what? That's 20 pounds a day. Yeah. Which... That's an extreme amount of money. Is a pretty good amount of money for the time. Yeah, and he made like, sure
0: he was keeping all of it because he was a smart guy.
1: Yeah, if we go back once again to Pride and Prejudice... Mm-hmm. Mr. Darcy is fantastically wealthy, earning 10,000 a year. Yes. So, 20 a
0: day is not bad. It's
1: not bad at all. Like, well done. Well done. Like, round of applause for Daniel Lambert because, man. Yeah. Way to capitalize on your extreme ways. I
0: mean, (laughs) he really did. And I think that um, his gravestone is possibly a mark of him as a person, which I think is really nice because obviously his. Friends in Leicester um, couldn't be there at the burial, but they clubbed together to make him a tombstone. Yeah. Which says, In remembrance of that prodigy in nature, Daniel Lambert, a native of Leicester, who was possessed of an exalted and convivial mind... And in personal greatness had no competitor He measured 3 feet 1 inch Round the leg, 9 feet 4 inches Round the body, and weighed 52 Stone, 11 pounds He departed this life on the 21st of June 1809, aged 39 years As a testimony of respect This stone is erected by his friends in Leicester
1: Oh, that's like Braggadocious I know And amazing and lovely all in one Yes (laughs) Nine feet round. Nine
0: feet round, yeah.
1: Jesus. Nine feet four inches. That is insane. Mm-hmm.
0: Oof. I mean, I've oh. been struggling with my weight recently, and I've got to say, this makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I like the fact that they start off by talking about his mind. Yes. And the fact that he had a an exalted and convivial mind. Yeah. Which seems to be true. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. It just seems like he was a really smart man. yeah. Who was pretty cool? Yeah. Pretty nice. Yeah. Made a lot of friends. Yeah. Um, so much so that they'd pay a shilling to see him every time. Like, yeah. Yeah. Daniel Lambert. Um, so his name became synonymous with obesity for about a hundred years after his death. Okay. So much so he's mentioned in works by a massive range of authors. Okay. So Charles Dickens mentions him several times. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll see if I can get the rest of the list up. So Charles Dickens mentions him several times in Nicholas Nickleby and in a couple of his other works. Uh, William Makepeace Thackeray uses him in Vanity Fair. Mm-hmm. Um, Herbert Spencer, in the study of sociology, okay. um, used the phrase a Daniel Lambert of learning, <laughs> like, because Daniel Lambert starts to mean anything that was really big. Yeah. Um, Thomas Carlyle referred to Oliver Cromwell as a spiritual Daniel Lambert um
1: it's like the mammoth cheese all over it's like again. the mammoth
0: cheese all over again <laughs> um in 1874 the times um was reviewing a newly translated french comedy and a character in it is called daniel lambert noting that the name is always associated in the english mind with the notion of obesity even in 1907 um the Chateau de Chambord was referred to as the Daniel Lambert among chateaus. Damn. I know. Um, I'm certain the Chateau de Chambord has got to do something with that raspberry liqueur as well. <laughs> yes. So now I just like the fact that it comes in a round bottle. Oh my
1: God, it does, <laughs> it doesn't does. it? Oh, that's brilliant. I wonder if that isn't like an actual connection.
0: I really don't think it is, but you know. It should be. <laughs> but I think that the the best part of it, um, sort of to, to end up, with, is the fact that he's still really loved in Leicester. Mm. He has become a Leicester icon. If you try to look him up, one of the main sources about him is from the Leicester Mercury, which is like a local paper there
1: yeah
0: and on the 2000 sorry on the 200th anniversary of his death <laughs>
1: the 2000th anniversary
0: <laughs> on the 200th anniversary of his death in 2009 Leicester had a Dan- Daniel Lambert day and over 800 people attended an event at his honour in the Newark Houses Museum Aww. which is where they've still got a permanent display about Daniel Lambert that's
1: so cool I want to see it when like lockdown and you know yeah
0: we've got a reason to have a go like to go to Leicester which yeah. to be honest is somewhere I've Sort of wanted to go for a while
1: I mean there are a number of places I kind of want to do at some point a bit of a tour around England and uh see lots of different things. I mean, you, you you, recently, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, went to Totnes to see, did. To see the Brutus Stone. The
0: Brutus Stone, the most incredible stone. You've got to see it, guys. Oh, my God,
1: it's so fascinating. It's
0: very hard to
1: find. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I totally want to do that. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, okay. Excellent. Well, let's organise a trip now. No, it's irresponsible. It's locked down still. Is it? Is uh, it? Well, I mean, yeah, it yeah, it doesn't feel like it. But anyway
0: thank you so much for listening um if you'd like to follow us you can always do so on twitter at that time when four um or you can email us any suggestions at ttwpod at gmail.com
1: you can also follow us on any of the uh devices and streaming platforms that you may have been listening to this on soundcloud apple itunes or spotify and if you want to sort of help us out a little bit you can give us a bit of a shout out on twitter if you at the podcast we'll give you a shout out in the episode
0: yeah it would be so awesome if you could do that i think uh, we're feeling fairly proud of what we're doing at the moment we're feeling a little bit smug a little Uh, bit and we think it would be great if you could share it with more people and get it get the word out absolutely
1: thanks thank you very much and see you next time